everyone. Welcome to another Crunch episode of the Mythos Manual. I'm your host, Leslie Wisniewski, producer of the podcast. With me, as always, is Calder David, Game Master. Hey, what's going on? And special, special guest, Omar Najam! Hey, thanks for having me. We're really happy to have you here, Omar. We're excited to talk right here at the tale of... The tail end of the adventure in we're, Mythos we're Manual. We're really, really coming up on the end of this game. I, I got very little left in, <laughs> in prepped encounters and plot threads to really tug on. There's, they've, they've gone pretty heavily through this jungle. Yes, at least this section of it. Oh, yeah, right. Yes, they've gone pretty heavily through Lotus Valley, to be, <laughs> to be specific. It's actually Orchid Valley. Right? I always forget. I know. I think you called it Otis, Lotus Valley. And... In the description. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> it was Lotus Valley in the write-up for a long time, and then we realized that lotuses weren't jungle flowers. No. And you say we. It's you. <laughs> I realized lotuses aren't jungle flowers. I just think Lotus Valley sounds pretty, and then I changed it to Orchid Valley, which still sounds pretty, but that's not what it is in my brain still. <laughs> so, yes. So the players have thoroughly explored... Oh my gosh, Orchid Valley. I now I wanted to say Lotus Valley. We'll just cut we, all of this. Uh, and thank you for questing. <laughs> we, what, I think it was this month. It would have been March. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That would have been Fogcliff. So it would have been April after. Yeah, because that's a- Alien Day. We forgot what we had named the land, <laughs> and so we like we were like, yeah, uh, Observatory of the Stars, Valley of the Stars, Observatory Valley. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And so we're just like, just it's all of them. It's we goes by many it goes by many names. <laughs> yeah, this is the Gandalf of of lands that we've described. Yeah, so. like what are flowers anyway, right? Like that's how I feel about it. It's a valley. There's flowers there. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. moving on. They eat sunlight. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> yes, they have explored a lot of Orchid Valley, and now they're on their way out. Which is that something that you were prepared for? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely, of course. You were just ready for them to just up and well, leave? I mean, think about it. They could have tried to up and leave at any time in my preparations and stuff like that, like world building or whatever. But there's always been the possibility that they could just try to leave at any time. And I was really hoping they would try because like, I had a cool encounter ready where like, <laughs> remember the Gurion? Yeah. More of them. Oh. <laughs> just a bunch of big four-armed white evil ape monsters ready to tear people limb from limb. One of my like little notes for like a possible demise was like Malik tries to take off on his own and ends up getting killed alongside like a bunch of laborers who leave with him by a bunch of these gorilla creatures. Oh, that's true. I do remember that. Kind of when you were breaking out where are these moments when specific NPCs make decisions, Malik upping and leaving was definitely one of them. Yes. Yeah. Though I think at this point, does he have too many like bonded check moments? I think so. I think like, I think Paul kind of ensured that Malik like liked the group enough that he wouldn't try to leave. Yeah. Cause if he didn't like the group, he would have just taken all the supplies and the laborers <laughs> and left. Right. That was, that was very much the idea. And like, that's why I knew that, okay, like the, the Valley is protected almost always by these like patrols of Gurions controlled by like maybe a couple Charuka or something. And so like it would have been like a very possibly overly deadly encounter that Ooh. would have tried that would have prevented them from leaving. It was always right. kind of like the protect like the the buffer there. That's true. I guess like for this campaign it's very specific. It's specifically in one setting. Like we aren't really exploring the land and going to new taverns and all mm-hmm. these things. They're just in the jungle. Right. Right. They're in Orchid Valley. Hey, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> right, because you're just in one spot, so you're able to like see the effects, the instantaneous and long-lasting effects of 
your choices. Definitely. Characters and just how the environment reacts. Yeah, they live, they're living in the world a little bit. And it's fun because then obviously it's been able to flesh out characters and like characters who would normally be like, I think very minor are still minor, but like they, they get like a bit of more personality. Like some of the labors have personality, really. Some of like, there's real relationships between people who really don't matter in certain ways. And like, we've been able to develop characters in ways I didn't expect, like in like terms of like Shayaka. And I think Chelsea have gone in ways I didn't really count on. Oh, I'm so glad Chelsea got time. She's always been one of my favorite NPCs. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> um, well, it's really interesting because I feel like branching off of what Omar said, we're seeing really the impacts of our characters' choices, and it seems like those impacts are being interpreted very differently by our player characters. Uh, having Zoram Nagam out and in the forest, kind of wreaking havoc as he sees fit, uh, is troubling to some of the party members, and kind of like, well, gonna wash our hands of this. I think we're done for others. Uh, can you talk about kind of managing those those different points of view, or if you're even managing them at all? I don't think I'm necessarily managing like the characters' perspectives on the situation. I, I want them to feel out how they feel about what's happening. Um, I think in terms of, like in the most recent episode where we I brought out Pico Perry, I think Chrissy was like the only character who really had like a god listed. Like I remember during character creation, her and I sat down to make Kata. I remember she didn't like any of like the normal like Galarian gods or other gods that we sometimes use. And I don't know why, but she ended up picking through, like, a book, some random splat book that listed a bunch of, like, really obscure gods who probably get, like, maybe half of a paragraph in terms of description. Perfect. Right. Like, she picked <laughs> something, like, random. It, it's an Azada, I believe, it, it's an Azada Lord, so it's, like, a chaotic, neutral, good creature that is called the, it's, it's uh, Pico Perry, the Merry Glee. And it's like a snake, I guess. <laughs> and like that's it. That's all we know. It, I think it's it's fun to say Pico Perry. Pico Perry's a fun a fun term. And it's like a little prankster god. Or that like is a, fantastic. Yeah. And like and like there's not very much written about her anywhere else. But it felt like a fun thing to kind of be able to throw out there. And I used her in this moment because I felt like a, I wanted to do something kind of fun with Kata involving like her snake powers. And I wanted to everyone's kind of getting these kind of big um, moments like we, I brought up this thing with Damius and, uh, and, and Marlo, Marlo. Yeah. and Kafka's had a lot of good interactions with like a lot of the relationships he's built and I felt like there's been a really fun exploration as like Kata's powers have just grown because that's how her class works but it also feels like being in the jungle she's Has, really exactly. she's really blossomed right it's like turned her more snaky like she is suddenly like really connected with this like snake side of herself and I really wanted to kind of have like some fun with those moments and so it, I was able to kind of tie her god into it that we hadn't like really explored or talked about, I think, maybe no, ever. No, not remotely. And I also think it's a nice little way for you as the game master to be like, hey, hey, what you doing? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very much that because I felt like no one was making that point, really. Yeah. Christy has good listed as Kata's alignment. And I feel like if you have good, that means if you are good, that means you have to actively pursue good. It's not It's not just like, I'm a good person because, you know, I, I maybe... I do no evil. I do no evil. Good, right. Yeah, that's neutral. Like, most people are neutral. Like, in our day-to-day -day lives, we are neutral people because, like, how many of us are actually going out and, like, doing good in the world, like, in an active way? 
or going out and like, like stopping crime or pursue like doing the extra work to pursue a better world. Right. And to like make the world a better place and like men's society and things like that. And like some people certainly are, but like not everybody and not not by far. And so like I feel like if you have good listed as your alignment, you have to actually go out and do so. And I felt like her justification for letting that like letting Kafka kind of persuade Kata to just like flee the jungle was kind of weak. Like I just didn't buy it. Like as as a as a player in this game myself, I felt like I just don't buy Kata piecing out over because she's like tired. Kind of, yeah. And so Omar, here's a question for you because you also like have run several games before. Uh, have you ever had moments because I feel like a GM speaking to a character through God is very much like a burning bush moment where Mm -hmm. it's like I have to insert myself into the story because either things are I have to call you out or things are going in a weird way and I just want to like raise a flag before you continue on your strange journey right it's such a funny like it's like a greater voice on one hand you don't want to take away agency yeah from your players 100% but also, if uh, some greater force is like, I ain't got hands on the wheel, it's just like, <laughs> okay, then that's, this is a much bigger issue that we have to deal with, <laughs> sort of existentially. Um, it, but it is like such a great little, it's like a massive way to check in because NPCs have, I think also like when you have a character that big, their wants and needs are so outside of what the players and their characters can deal with yeah that it's not like a political move <laughs> like an NPC might be lying to you for whatever reason or yeah. have their own right instantaneous like i'll benefit from doing this like definitely but i feel like if you're using like a god or someone it's just like look man i i'm i've got a lot of moving pieces <laughs> this yeah. is just one of them if this dish breaks i still gotta juggle more so you know like <laughs> i'm just telling you what you need to know ish um and i think that it, it's a little more there's, there's a little more you can play with without breaking the sandbox. Oh, totally. Whereas, like, with an NPC, if they're just like, they could be don't lying, do this, I'm yeah. do this, they're like, well, then we're going to kidnap you. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> it's something they can touch. They can affect the outcome here. Yeah. It, yeah. NPCs almost feel like it's optional, right? You can yes. take what they say and go with it, or you can leave it. And, like, it doesn't matter because they, in the hierarchy, they are below you because yes. they are non-player characters. And I think it's really interesting that we don't consider deity figures as NPCs. But they are, right? right? Sure, absolutely. But, like, there's definitely a, a set of this character, my character can't overpower this one no, no matter what. Like no, that, there's definitely that that's the what you're invoking. Like this person is just so much more powerful than me that they like it's the rare moment where a PC in like a role playing game should really feel powerless. Yeah, but also I think powerful and special. Like having yeah. a deity like break into that world is to a, speak to your character. Right. Very cool moment. Like it's I think a lot of people eat that sort of thing up when it's like Chris, oh Christy was very obviously super excited. Super excited and like and I think that's the kind of the fun thing to do. But you also like obviously you can't overuse that no. kind of that kind of power as a GM because then players will really go resentful. I, even now, I felt like I felt a little weird doing it in this moment. But I ultimately liked it. I felt like it was thematic and it tied into some other things. I wished maybe we had like been able to tie Pico Perry better to Kata earlier. That's fair. But like, whatever. It's a, it's not a, this isn't a piece of fiction. It's a, it's a role-playing game and sometimes things don't perfectly line up and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I think also 
Chrissy had already very much been like, oh, I have this seed of doubt about what we're doing. I feel really guilty about leaving uh, Bright Claw behind. I feel really torn about leaving the jungle in this state. Uh, I think there was a seed there um, for right. her player that in reaching out in that way, you were really kind of cultivating it to, to germinate and to sprout. I, uh, yeah, exactly. Because I felt like that she wasn't getting the right kind of pushback to explore those options from Paul and Alan. Yeah. I felt like they were kind of wrapped up in their own characters' wants and needs, which was like, fine. But I felt like there was like a story beat that we're missing. And I felt like for them to leave the jungle right now, I don't know, is just, to, to me, it doesn't strike me as the most like satisfying narrative. Because I would have allowed it. I, I have no real problem. If I, I think if Chrissy had maybe found a better even justification, maybe I would have never done this Pico Perry bit. Or mm-hmm. I just like I just wasn't buying it. Like I just felt like maybe Katie could find. I don't know. Like there was just like some. There was like I felt like there was a narrative beat that Katie was jumping over, and I wanted to like come back at it and see how we can re-examine these moments. Um, but like, it, let's say it had shaken out to the point where they're going to actually leave the jungle. And not go back to the low city. Like, I feel like narratively I could be prepared for that. Like, I would probably have done something like, oh, they try to escape. There's parties of Charuka on their heels for some reason. Like, maybe Zarandagam or somebody like, or maybe even Mithilti or somebody like, guards the exit to make like a final attack against them. Or, I don't know, or maybe they could have gotten back to Avuba and Mithilti tracks them back there. And like, maybe there's an encounter there or something like there there could have been options the story didn't have to end in the way i think it's gonna go and play out um but i think the way it's gonna play out where like they maybe confront these things has just been built into the story more like we have like this ritual involving like sealing zaranagam and i feel like there's just like these things that we've hinted towards and not to do them feels like we're just leaving the plot threads over on the table. This kind of brings us back to like, we are making a podcast now. Right. We aren't just like playing a game. This is for other people to consume as well. That could be a, a moment of that. But I think even like at like a table, like you want a, a fun narrative. Totally. Right? No, think- uh, for sure. For sure. Though also I think like at a table, maybe there would have been a little bit more back and forth about what do we do. I think maybe also being in a podcast setting, potentially there is that kind of pressure to like, yes, and to go along, to get along, like to, right. to ride that wave. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like is that notion like we are being perceived, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's not real time, like this will be consumed and I don't want to come off in a certain way. And I think maybe a lot of what Pico Perry did for Christy was like affirm what her gut was already telling her. And I think having that little extra affirmation sometimes can go a really long way for someone who's on who's on the fence and maybe not unsure about really being like no I really think we I have I have to do this yeah like not about splitting the party but like I'm good aligned like I already feel bad about this like I gotta double down on like on the character that I am right right talking about playing to character it's such a great opportunity also to like refocus because like you have uh, a higher level entity that can exist outside of the complexity of like will I be punished for this? Will I be, you know, like, which, what decisions do I make? And you can kind of get, like, swallowed up in that, uh, in day-to-day life. Like, yeah. I feel like it's, like, a funny thing where it's, like, that is, you know, however you seek it, whether it's just, like, a religious book or, like, a specific type of philosophy or something, there are, like, elements in our world, artifacts that can exist outside, like, honor or something that, out like, is outside that you're just, like, yeah, but I'll never cross that line. So it's just, like, I always got to do this thing because it's just right. And so when you yeah. actually have like a character that comes in and it's just like, yeah, I'm not worried about the day to day where it's like, I don't have to worry about rations. I don't have to worry <laughs> about, I'm not going to get exhausted. I'm a God. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, all I care about is that you help 
the people, you know? It's yeah. Like, that's, it's that simple. I got to go continue to do that. Yes. I don't have to sleep, you know? <laughs> I don't got have a, anything else. I got, got a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there are definitely a lot of other ways to potentially bring up, like, that question of, like, should we try to leave? And one of them would be, I don't know, just throwing a big hole to ambush at them in the jungle while they're carrying all these injured people. Uh, I really thought about that. That was, like, a cool... That could have been a cool thing. Like, I really... I had a couple like key moments that really inspired this whole game. I really had an idea of like, wouldn't it have been a cool encounter where like all of the players are together and there's all the NPCs and then someone summons like a mad monkey spell into a group of like low level characters and monkeys just start tearing people apart in like a big swarm. It was like one of the big, a big inspirational, like, oh, this will be a cool encounter and it never happened. It was like a big <laughs> inspiration for this entire thing where like a, some sort of evil mage summons a bunch of monkeys and these monkeys tear everyone limb from limb it just did not happen like i was really excited i think like i had planned for one of the hags to do it at some point and it just didn't happen or hasn't yet i mean i guess you could still shoot i could i could still shoot monkeys but it won't have the same effect (laughs) i wanted it to be like early and like where like there could have been like a whole bunch of like healthy npcs and we're like oh no monkeys are killing all of us suddenly (laughs) like it could have been like a really dark but weird moment and it just at this point, it would have just been sad. Now I'm just like, oh, that's sad. Now they're dead. Now they're dead because of monkeys. What <laughs> a bummer. This is like your minority report where it's just like, this is this crime's going to happen. And he's like, all right, well, then I'm not doing it. <laughs> Perfect. It's like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I'm going to have a spaceship and I'm fly away. Nah, you can do it for whatever movie version you want to do. Go ahead and do that. But I'm in the book. I'm just gone. <laughs> like, you can shoehorn it in later, but I'm, yeah, I'm not doing crime. <laughs> Over it. Uh, well... Whether it's like leaving the jungle, being attacked by tiny monkeys, um, <laughs> taking the river, going to the low city, uh, for better or worse, the adventure is coming to an end. Um, and if pop culture has taught me anything, it's really hard to end something. Uh, and I would love to talk. Something <laughs> <laughs> we've learned. Maybe, yeah, it's, it's four years, right? Like maybe maybe finales are difficult. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to, and I'm especially happy that you're here, Omar, because in thank you for requesting, you also had to take a very different story and a very different uh, gaming experience, and also conclude it in a satisfying way. And I'm sure that you and Cal both were going through the same kinds of like shit. How do I? <laughs> how do I do this? Yeah. It, yeah, but thank you for requesting. It was so interesting because it oh, was... Oh, should we really quick just... For, if folks we should talk listen. about it. Yeah. They're probably... Yeah, yeah. talk about thank Here's you for requesting. Little, yeah, tell yeah. us about thank you for requesting just so we kind of know the, the conceit of the of the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for requesting as a show... And maybe I'll make a comment at the end of this episode <laughs> about more stuff. But um, <laughs> it was a show uh, with Mia Rosella, Kelly, uh, uh, Kelly Nugent, and I was just like, did I say Mia's name wrong? But I didn't. Rosella, right? right? I said it's it right. It's not different, right? Yeah. Me no. and Rosella. Why? Yeah. I've never yeah. said it like back to back like that. So I was just like, that was very not, lyrical. It has like a Pokemon kind of quality. <laughs> yeah, to it. it did. Yeah. Yeah. Mia, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> Mia, Rosella, uh, <laughs> Kelly Nugent, and Chris Bramante, um, and Rum Tum Tugger are all. <laughs> Uh, we, we all had a show together. Uh, the music was done by Annalise Nelson, and it was an improvised RPG uh, initially. 
well, throughout, but it was like at a certain point, it was like, oh, the whole idea of it was like, it's going to be chaos. It's like side quest. Yeah. Central, you're going to have an NPC that's like, we need you to deliver these packages. And then they were going to go do something else. And they'll go to a new town. And they're like, can you get these oranges to the chef? And then they'll find a way to start a civil war. Like that was the idea of the show. And then as we kind of started to get to the end, it was like, but we do have character arcs developing naturally. Yeah. And everyone that was on mic um, was an experienced improviser and we had done improv together. So it was like the idea of having like third beats and stuff was ingrained in like our friendship and the way we play together. So it was like, it wasn't just like, all right, cool. We can, uh, we'll just like shoehorn something in or whatever. like it, all the stuff was like on the table. Like each character was just like, well, I'm, I've got parental issues, and they bring it up like at the perfect pace, and you're like, we gotta address these parental issues, man. We gotta like, we gotta find this elf's girlfriend, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was a lot of things that were on the table that were like, you know, we we definitely want to address, and then finding a way to tie those all in thematically. Uh, we just went for like, su- we just did what we've just been talking about we went super spirits it was like 20 of them like one we focused on but it was just like but there was a spirit world and so like we have to like pay homage to that and uh and that can like guide all of you there but one great and you know i'm curious if this sort of translates in to how mythos manual is like going and, and wrapping up and seeing the conclusion at the end is i remember at wondercon scott snyder who's a writer of many things but also batman Mm-hmm. Was saying that I think Grant Morrison gave him some advice about writing Batman. Okay. Where he's like, your Batman is your character. Like, I know that Batman will continue, but like you get, this is your Batman. Mm-hmm. How does, how does your Batman die? Mm-hmm. Then that informs how your Batman begins and how your Batman goes all the way to the end. Know that. Oh, he's wow. like, I know you're not going to kill Bruce Wayne, but your Batman will die. So just have that answer in mind. And because it was an improvised podcast, it was just so great where we, the last episode, the last two episodes are bonkers. They, we've talked about this off mic. Yeah. We talked to a statue for 20 minutes. And I know it's 20 minutes because I edited the episode. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes of talking to a statue that has no information for them. And then They're... they destroy it. It was a teleportation statue. <laughs> so then they had to make a plane and fly somewhere else because the only purpose of this one thing they got rid of. It's like if there was a sign that says, don't move the sign, and you pulled it out of the ground, and you're like, oh, wait, I don't know what to do now. Like, Give me answer sign. <laughs> yeah. That was what that was. And, it was. and so what was so great about sort of having that writerly tool in our back pocket was that no matter what happened in the episode, and it was like, we'll try to address the things, but it wasn't going to be like an adventure zone. Like, here's our bullet list of like every character we've ever mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And we get to, they all get like a shining Oscar moment. Um, is similar to Adventure Zone. It was just like, yeah, but no matter what, at the end, like, let's talk about where these characters end, even if they don't die. And Chris decided to be like, this is how my character dies. And it was huge and glorious and, and wonderful and magical. But it just, it gave a great sense of completion without having to be like, did we hit all the themes and all the notes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we make a big statement for the characters to be like, but this is eventually how they would. Yeah. Um, Was a great, like, just I don't know that that feeling of hanging up the coat. Oh the yeah, I, I think as as human beings we crave that sort of catharsis. Mm-hmm. We crave that kind of that stamp that really seals the end of, of a story together. Yeah, yeah. And so we even as players they are constantly looking for it. And I think we're starting already in Mythos to really stumble across some of those moments. 
Yeah, I agree. I think there's some kind of things we're starting to build towards. Uh, Kafka maybe getting an A. Kafka. Right. I love that. That's the thing, right? Like, for <laughs> yeah. Yes. How was Scott Snyder's Batman end? And you're like, that's a pretty big story. How's Kafka's story? Oh, I hope he gets that A. Hope he gets that A. <laughs> He's trying really hard. <laughs> school's tough. <laughs> get some credits there. Yeah. And then he'll be he'll be good for life. This one was interesting because I didn't totally know how I wanted it to end. I kind of felt like, you know, it's one of those things where I in my head this entire campaign played a little differently. I think, mm-hmm. which is of course, but like because in my head I always thought of it as being there being more big binary choices that like if they do this then Zoranagam dies, or if they do this then Mithilti dies, or right, and then and that will change who the final bad guy is. But like they're both still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why and, not? Why not have it all? <laughs> Uh, I, I just, it's not totally how I saw it going, but like, that's, that's cool. I feel like I've been a lot, I've been really surprised because I've been trying to not overly plan this campaign. Like I really wanted a lot of it to feel like as natural as I possibly could while still being weirdly structured mm. as I like yeah. to call, as I like to call this game setup, weirdly structured. Yeah. Cause it's, you're right. Cause you, you, the individual are not like taking beats and like turning them or like laying track down explicitly. But thematically, every all of the surrounding environment, the surrounding characters, the villains, it is structured. It is thematic. It's, they all belong together, I guess, in this world. Mm-hmm. The players have just been bouncing off things long enough where these story, the story just kind of developed on its own. I just put a bunch of characters together and I just try to do my best to kind of like act a little bit and try to put my head in like, oh, if I'm Mithildi, what do I want? If I'm Agazan, what do I want? If I'm like Suresh, what do I want? And I'm always, that's how I, I think I can approach this and that it helps move the story because like every, no one else is still. I, unlike a video game where I think like in, you know, video game stuff, it's always like, it, you know, a character doesn't change really in a video game until like a beat is resolved, right? Like you need to like get the ne- through the next quest and then that character is much happier or something like that. And in this one, it's like the player's actions don't always matter because like they're, other, everyone else is living their own lives, it's kind of how I think of it. It's not all about you, player characters. <laughs> NPCs also have rich inner lives. Rich, rich inner lives. Well, I mean, like some more than others. But it, it, I definitely wanted to kind of come in with that, with, come in with that uh, expectation for the bad guys. I wanted them to feel like engage. I feel like I really wanted them to feel like engaging, interesting bad guys because I feel like a big, a really hard thing to do in RPGs is put a good villain in right it's not easy and i think like you have to do a lot of work to make it to make it satisfying you know because as soon as you put a bad guy in front of somebody in an rpg that's something they can defeat that's something yes right they can take that person down yeah we i remember we were playing right before endgame came out we did a one shot that was uh essentially like the mcu in 5e okay and the way we it was like an individual little challenges, right? So it was essentially like you could roll up um, the adventures as you're chasing the stones. So you, all you knew is that you were you're going after the stone, but you didn't know where it was. And then we would roll up like this villain from this movie, this location with this challenge. Oh, that's kind of a fun so idea. Like a bank heist, but it's the Ultron bots are chasing you and all this stuff. And it was great because we had these like essentially just like the front villains you could burn through for like trying to get at least three stones, mm-hmm. which I think was like the structure of it. Because if it was all of them, it would be kind of boring. And then you found out that you were not collecting the stones for 
uh, Doctor Strange to solve it. Mm-hmm. It was Loki in disguise oh. from a different dimension. Ooh. And then it was just like having like that smart of a villain late in the game because yeah. of the structure of that was just like so refreshing for, especially for 5e, because usually it's just like, I'm the big evil person and you're going to relentlessly hate me. Yeah. So I have to just suck. <laughs> like right. I'm just I just have to be a terrible annoying force in your life mm-hmm. versus like I like them and you're like I don't really want to fight them you know like I, yeah I like this villain they don't really pose a threat to me and so it's just like a great opportunity for us to like play with the different like pacing of villains and it was a one shot so it's like you know we had that opportunity yeah mm-hmm. but it is crazy when you're doing like an ongoing story especially when you're looking at the end because you're just like it's it can't be someone you love because nope. what do you do? Yeah, yeah. It, it can't be. Yeah, like that, that that kind of hard choice could have been really fun if we could have if, if, if I could have gotten them to love Mithilti. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that have been a fun thing? Though I do think you you forced them to Zoram Nagam, who when they met that tree, they were like, "Cool, so found a demon tree. We're never gonna speak of this again. We're never gonna tell anyone where it is. We're just gonna leave it, and we're never gonna go back to it ever, ever again, ever, no matter what, ever." And then. They're surrounded by Mithilti and all of her druidic hags. And they're like, we are going to die. We're super going to die. Giant portal. Saram Nagam's like, hey, hop in my portal. And they're like, yep, we're going. Yeah, yeah that was, and that was something that happened kind of organically. Like, it just made sense in the moment. Like, who, how are they going to get out of this mess? Like, uh, I have, I have this idea. Like, maybe this happens. Like, that wasn't planned out in advance. Because I didn't even know they were going to go to Mithilti's, like, ritual in advance. Like, that all <laughs> happened true. as it just happened. This is very like choose your own adventure kind of. Well, it is, I mean, yeah, it is very much that. <laughs> but I feel like you you kind of have like all these possibilities sort of set up as like different alternate universes where different choices led them to different places. Right. In a way that makes sense. Yeah, I think like, like kind of having, it's it's mostly just like exploring as much of like this like world as I could have. I think to, if I, that's why it's like just one valley. I, I wanted it to be that specific. So I felt like I could, it had to be a region that I could fully understand. Yeah. And if I understood everything, as much as I could about it, I could understand what's hidden in it, what lives in it, what makes the place kind of like function. And if the players start messing with it, what changes? Definitely. Definitely. Well, Omar, and in, in thank you for questing. Like what was the biggest challenge for you in, wrap, in wrapping it up? Because so many RPG podcasts... Go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. on. Um, But I think both Mythos and Thank You for Questing had specific timelines in mind. Cal, you kind of, you had a a literal calendar for your players to keep track of the days they were going to be in the jungle before they left their expedition. And Omar, your game was like the 12 months of the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They both had a a definite time limit. That was a a part of it for me was like, it's a... It is a, a, a self-contained story. Like, there might be, like, I think, like, these characters could maybe go on or, like, the events of this could, like, lead to something. Who knows? But, like, this was definitely, like, a story. Like, this, right. is, like, this is the movie. Yeah. It's, it was, I, for us, I think the hardest choice, honestly, was, like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just generally. And it was, I think it yeah. was Mia that was, like, let's do a time jump. And so we rolled a D12. And it was, like, how many months have passed? And it was, like, a good hand. It was, like, a, a good amount of time. And then also, like, how much do you include a fan service of your own thing? Right. Without becoming too sort of, like, self-wanky about it? Where yeah. you're, like... It gets, it gets, yeah. You're, like, these, all, remember all these NPCs? And you're, like, <laughs> yeah, man. But, like, I'm there, you know... 
it's not like I'm like every Christmas. I'm like, I want to recap every gift I've ever gotten before <laughs> I open this one. Okay. Every, you know, like otherwise it's like a senior video. Everyone's waving right. into a camera for five seconds. Exactly. Yeah. It was so for us, it was sort of like how, and it's a comedy podcast too, or, you know, we try to keep it somewhat within the realm of comedy. So it was like, you know, where, how serious do we go with it? Because like a yeah. gut instinct is like, let's go real crazy serious to prove that we're artists. You know? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> yes, comedians are not true artists. No, no. That's why we got to do the serious indie RPG story where you're like, <laughs> yeah. this is emotional. And, um, and it was just, you know, it was just kind of, we really lucked out as we did throughout the entire show because it was just like, you know, the love between the players and the characters was able to just take off and just sort of define it for us. Um, but it was like, I think it was just like the hardest decision was taking the hands off, like not throwing like the DD characters to be like, do this thing. Just being like, I'm here to give you the information and then I have to step back and it's gotta be your decisions. And for us to like, just trust. Cause you can, every other beat, you have another beat that you can correct it or justify. This is the only one that you have to land. You know, yeah. like the other ones right. don't have that pressure. And so if it is a thing where it's just like, let's all just, you know, we're going to do a Butch Cassidy thing. And you're like, and you like when listening back, you're like that Butch Cassidy thing did not work. <laughs> oh no. That did not work at all. Why did we do the Butch Cassidy? We should have, you know, or you have yeah. a happy ending and you listen to it and you're like, that's so boring. Mm-hmm. Um, without being like overly written and being like, I have an idea of the last frame of the movie. Of being like it is at the end of the day like an RPG, so how does it land and what is it? I feel like that is to trust that is so exciting and terrifying because you. I think it's the only time, even as a GM, you are the audience for the show. Mm-hmm. Like there's twists and turns, but I feel like you feel like you see the tracks on the ride. I feel like this is the first time that you're like on the roller coaster, and you're like, I don't know what it's gonna tip. Because it's just like, once it lands, everyone's got to step back and be like, the ball landed. <laughs> no one touch it. That's it. Or we'll ruin the moment. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I know agree. that. Yeah. And it, for us, it was like so bonkers because it was like, there was like a million like things going on. And we didn't know it. But listening to the show, like there's, I see the gears coming together for these characters and like the decisions they're going to have to make. And what I like that is sort of like a binary, like, are we going to do it or not? And, like, those will be, like, the ramifications of it versus something that's more of, like, what are we going to do? You know, like, open world, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is more of, like, do we do the thing and there's body parts everywhere? Or, like, <laughs> or do we run away? And, I, you know, seeing that form, especially in the conversation of the last few episodes, it's just, like, of course, this is it. And it's so fun because I feel like the credit to you, Cal, because you're just, ah. like, here's the playground. You know, like, here and, like, the players you play, but, like, you either choose to go on the slide or not. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to like deal with emotionally within the character and also like meta. Like, is that the fun choice? Right. I try to, every choice should be the, a fun choice, right? Right. And ultimately, you, at least you hope that they are. And, and then if they're not, I talk about them on the crunch episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I get mad. The boring choices. What yeah. cho- oh, all these boring choices I made. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to go into this finale. I, I feel like I have... Some ideas cooking I want to try to hit on. So you still don't really know how... I have a pretty good shape of how I think this finale could go now. I I see if they're going to try to take down Zerondagam. I, I really like the idea of this big, cool, climactic, uh, sealing him away encounter. I like encounters with 
Like Zoranagam is like a Baragara, which is like I think like a CR thirteen creature or something like that. It's something they can't fight. Like he is so Great. he's so much more powerful than the players. Like ah. a, a hit or two from him will kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he is so much more powerful, and that's what I like about him. And I like the idea of throwing something kind of overwhelmingly powerful at them that there has to be this sideways way to defeat him. So the fight isn't really defeating him. The fight is sending him through to back to the abyss and they have to like hold him off long enough to do so. Right. And I think that'll be a cool kind of dynamic encounter. Like that could be maybe, I, I think like it's also a very, very deadly encounter. Right. So we'll see what happens there. I would, I feel like it would kind of suck if I killed one of them in the, in that first bit before like the finale got to happen. Um, but if that happens, it happens, right? And, if, and then <laughs> and we talk about it on the next crunch episode. Yeah, just have a dice, right? I kind of like yeah. like that could suck, but like also that's the story sometimes. And I, <laughs> I, and I feel like I and like I would just be like, here, you're playing Shayaka now or whoever's still alive. Yeah, you're, you're Moenye now. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, and I, I so I feel like that'll be a really cool encounter. And then I want to do something kind of wrap up like Mephilty somehow. In a way that I'm, I'm a little less sure about this, but something that'll be feel like cool and satisfying. Uh, like we'll find a, a, a good way to kind of get to reward the beat with like Mithilti and the Sumadras somehow. I I want to tie up those loose threads, and I think like the party has interacted so much with Mithilti and Zarandagam that there's like a lot to really play with. So like I'm really happy because I feel like I accomplished that goal of like I wanted the villains to feel more like. I wanted the villains to feel like other characters in the story because sometimes villains, especially in adventure paths, I've noticed, like pre-written campaigns, it's a lot of like the villain is in a room at the top of the castle forever, right? right? Like they yeah. just, they never leave it and they do all of their bidding from up and up of the room. Right. And all of the bad guys work for them, but they never leave the room. It's Inspector Gadget Claw where it's yeah. like, oh, the, this episode was a loot stinker for me again. Yep. Oh, I lost <laughs> again. Or like, it's a lot of like, or, you know, it's a lot of like the bad guy is in the last room of the dungeon and for some reason never leaves the dungeon, even though he's the most powerful guy there won't leave the dungeon to go fight these people who are killing all of his, like, minions. I don't know. Like, it's, it, it, I just didn't want to have that conclusion. I wanted to, them to feel a little bit more grounded and it to feel a little bit more like a story because that's the benefit of a homebrew. Like, that's what... Mm. But, is that you can put that extra love. You can really tailor characters and beats together. And that's uh, that's what makes a homebrew, I think, always, like, a, even though Adventure Paths and pre-written Adventures are always good, you can, you can do a lot of work to them to make them feel kind of, like, more like a homebrew. But, like... When it's really crafted in your own, it, it, there's a special, there's just a special feeling to that kind of adventure. Little chef's kiss. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's tailored to like your uh, specificity, and especially when you feel like you like it. Like I like, I really am happy with how this adventure came out. I, I it'd been something I've been thinking about for a long time, and some, it's it did not happen like how I thought it happened. I never got to kill a whole bunch of people with a swarm of monkeys, <laughs> um, but other parts <laughs> got to happen. So like that's all good. This it's rare to finish something. Like, even right? if you write a spec yeah. script, right? You, it doesn't feel finished because you threw it out in the world, and they're like, we'll never make this, but this looks pretty good. This is actually, like, this will be completed. And I remember when both of you were talking about it and just being like, uh, let's go for it. <laughs> I guess we're doing it. I guess we're podcast. doing it, yeah. <laughs> How do you both feel about finishing a thing? It's nice. It is nice <laughs> to finish a thing, right? Like, maybe, and, like, I, I would like to do more Mythos Manual in the future. We'll... 
probably do another arc. I'll have to write another arc out and, you know. Maybe a little a little break first. Right, a little break. (laughs) Says the producer. Yeah. A little tiny break. Uh yeah, maybe a little a little break wouldn't hurt though. But I would like I have an idea, like we could probably move into Pathfinder Second Edition or something and yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah, right. Like I I, I definitely want to do a little bit more. Do a little bit more of that system. Uh I would like to maybe either keep working off the story that Eyes in the Mist kinda left, or maybe go in a different direction. I don't I don't really know, but uh I would definitely I really liked this and I I had a really good time making it it was challenging at times to like just the scheduling of it and like the work involved but it was rewarding I had a really I'm really happy that we uh, did it oh me too for sure and like all joking aside like Cal obviously built and designed this campaign he ran every game he edited every episode um he really like took on like the burden of like making a podcast happen um but I remember very vividly at the very top of this process uh, Cal and I kind of having a moment very similar to Damius and Shayako being like, we're going to go in here together and we're going to do everything we can and walk out of here <laughs> together and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and I think um, repeating kind of that that agreement and understanding that like if we do this, we're going to finish it. Yeah. It was almost like that decision at was never it never had to be made right it was just like it's happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i think was helpful whenever the rubber was really hitting the road and we were like oh man we have jobs and like extra work jobs yeah and then also this podcast <laughs> that's like three jobs yeah it's been like the podcast on top of like a lot of new like freelance work from like paizo and uh some fifth edition work i've been doing like it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. And it's, I feel very immersed in it now. <laughs> I'm sure. My gosh, yeah. But you're right. It, it, is, it is a joy to, to complete something. I think for any, like, not only like a podcast or a script, but any like RPG game, mm-hmm. to finish an RPG game yeah. is like incredible. That right. is true. Uh, being able to play like a whole like campaign, like with like a start to finish, is like a really great feeling. There is like, you look back on it because there is something to be said about like RPGs in general, like why people seem to gravitate towards them. It's it enforces like a bond because you're just seeing people regularly. But like there's something I've heard that there's like something in your brain, right? That when we overcome an obstacle in a game, work by working together, it feels like we overcame a real life obstacle, and nice. that has made us closer, yeah. like because we've worked together to. To, to do something. And that, I think that brings people together. For sure. And I think, Omar, you and I have talked about this before, about how tabletop RPG or any RPG in general is really the only time you sit at a table with your friends and you put a mask on your face and you take a mask off your heart and you get to be like emotionally vulnerable to a degree with yeah. them. And there's something really magical about that and that you don't get anywhere else. And I think especially like in an era that's becoming increasingly digital to actually sit with people and play and use your imagination and sometimes some maps and some minis um, and really get to explore a story and tell something together collectively. I mean, there's nothing better. It is so hard to end this crunch because it has been such a delight to sit with both of you and talk not only about uh, Mythos Manual, but thank you for questing. Oh, yeah. We might have some more stuff coming up soon. Oh, my gosh. Really? We are planning on recording um, some just fun adventures within the framework of the show because it did end and there's nothing that's going to betray that. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, sticking <laughs> to it. Uh, but 
uh, within that, there will be some fun stuff. It's uh, it's going to happen. I can't say exactly when because Kelly Nugent is on your television. Yay, you Kelly. TBS or twitch.tv. Kelly Nugent's on your TV. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get that in the next few weeks together, and there'll be some some more Thank You for Questing adventures that we get to throw out. Oh, well, that's so exciting. Looking forward to that. Oh, so. I'm so delighted. I had no idea. I did not know this walking into this record <laughs> that this is going to be a thing that was happening. I am selfishly You're here. here. You're getting it first. I know. I'm very excited. Well, as I mentioned before, thank you both again so much for sitting with me. Um, Omar, so exciting about thank you for questing. Can't wait to listen. Thank you. And Cal, thank you again so much for all the work you do for Mythos Manual. Aww. And I'm really excited. And I hope that the last moment of the podcast is one that you as the newest audience member will enjoy. Oh, well, thank you. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. I think everyone's going to work together to make sure that this is like a, a satisfying ending across the, across the board. And most importantly, that Kafka gets that A. Yeah. yeah. And then wakes up from a dream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, good. it's good, though. It's good for a reason. Um, well, that's our crunch episode. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you like Mythos Manual, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. We love new raters and subscribers. Uh, if you want any additional content, you can always check out our website, mythosmanual.com. Follow us on Twitter at mythosmanual. Uh, we love hearing from you guys, so please feel free to tweet at us. And as I already said before, rate us and we will see you one last time for a nice big juicy crunch to wrap up this chapter and really this story of the Mythos Manual. See you next time. Bye, everybody.